You're listening to the Teaching Matters podcast, brought to you by the University of Edinburgh and part of the Teaching Matters blog. Teaching Matters brings together students and staff in conversation, debate, and celebration of learning and teaching in higher education. Feel free to share your comments with us, either directly on the blog or email us at teachingmatters at ed.ac.uk. You can listen and subscribe to the Teaching Matters podcast at Spotify or Apple Podcasts, and music is provided by Hook Sounds. In our 3rd of March episode of the Teaching Matters podcast, we talked to Judy Hardy and Neil Lent about how COVID-19 impacted assessment design at the University of Edinburgh. We heard how for some, the move from traditional in-person exams to open book online exams and group projects had an unexpected positive impact on students' learning outcomes. But we also heard about how this change in assessment design led to increased workloads and pressures. In this episode, we continue the story of how COVID changed assessment design with another issue whose temperature has risen with the move to digital and hybrid, academic misconduct. That's one of the worries. If we don't do proper exams in a room, then there's the potential for, for cheating. So if it's online, is it really that person doing the exam at that time? That was the voice of Neil Lent. We heard from Neil in the first episode. Neil is a lecturer in learning and teaching at the Institute for Academic Development at the University of Edinburgh. Neil's work focuses on how to improve student assessment and feedback and how to design better courses and programs. The move to digital and hybrid pulled Neil into the problem of how to design out academic misconduct. The risks posed by the move to digital and hybrid went far beyond cheating on exams falsification of data, for example, in scientific projects, programming tasks in um, uh, computing subjects are seen as potentially high risk, and essays are often, you know, hence the whole essay mill controversy that we're, that we're dealing with across the country at the moment. Academic misconduct and assessments is a wicked problem, and the scope of this wicked problem is perceived to have escalated during the pandemic. Responding to academic misconduct at the course, program, institutional, or even sector level requires complex and often unsatisfying interventions. And for these interventions to work, a lot of people have to change their behavior and mindset. But the sad fact is that a great deal of the technical solutions designed to mitigate academic misconduct haven't done much to close the perception gap. One of the main drivers in academic misconduct is the inability of staff and students to accurately identify each other's expectations of the learning and teaching environment. Celeste McLaughlin is the Head of Academic Development for Digital Education at the Institute for Academic Development. One of the things she's noticed during COVID was a growing awareness of what's possible as staff introduce digital assessment practices into their teaching. What we've seen is, is, is people starting to see those possibilities so so those conversations that were taking a place over the summer where people were having conversations about what's possible they're actually starting to put that into practice and they're having conversations with their students and I think this is really important having those conversations with the students finding out what works for the students in their particular context bearing in mind that a lot of those students are are studying in very 
different environments, whether that is in um, halls of residence or at home or in a different country, in a different time zone. And these are all the complexities that colleagues have had to adapt to over this academic year very quickly and also get their heads around a number of different technologies and also get their heads around um, these, these quick evolving changes to their teaching and learning practices. And actually what, 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 what we're finding now is people are having, I think, quite, quite useful changes to their, their mindsets about the possibilities of what they can do going forward. And I think that's really positive. And this is where academic misconduct plays a more pernicious role one that pushes people into modal behaviour. Neil Lent again. One of the big things that holds us back in terms of developing better better assessment, better ways of teaching is, is this fear of academic misconduct. But I also think one of the things that can mitigate that is rather than us doing things to the students and, and making them feel hard done by because we have you know it might make sense to us with a big high stakes assessment but if they don't feel prepared for it they don't understand what we want then you know it can feel a bit like a conflict and i think we can see certainly from so uh, jill mckay in the vet school led a paper that where we, we looked at um, all the free text comments for NSS from 2016, and there was a clear sense of us and them in, in, in the negative end of those comments. And on the positive side, something that's more like us and us working together. And I think time on task and authentic assessment, authentic teaching, a better sense of dialogue, staff and students together feeling you know, fulfillment, if that's not too, too big a word to use for this, in, in, in what they're doing. The move to more authentic and better assessment practices does come with a price tag. More assessment opportunities increases marking load for academic staff. This comes up in a lot of contexts, actually. It's not just just marking. It's that that would be great, but how are we going to make it happen within our workload? So I think some of it goes above the level of the individual university teacher, above the level of the course, above the level of the programme. And it's actually about institutions valuing the place of good teaching, good pedagogy across the whole institution and actually resourcing it appropriately. So if this means of um, assessing our students is better, it helps them learn better, but creates more work for the academics who, who are marking it, etc. And yeah, everyone else. Um, I guess when we say academics, we often think of, you know, lecturers and professors, but we know that there's a whole bunch of people involved in pedagogy. All of those people and all, all of those branches of work deserve to be appropriately resourced to, to allow those processes to happen. I suppose one of the other, maybe this is more pragmatic or not, I don't know, is we also know that we tend to overassess in UK universities. So some of this, and, and on the face of it, what we're arguing for looks like even more assessment, right? Because we're talking about more assessment points across, uh, maybe we should think engagement points. Celeste McLaughlin again. And so those engagement points will be opportunities for assessment to take place. And that assessment can take many different forms. The, 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 um, you know, the, the opportunities are, are, are really endless, but it does have wider implications for 
the university as a whole and, and, and rethinking the kind of workload around those engagement points. So, so, so thinking about something that's, that, that I've been aware of for a long time, particularly working as an online educator, is that that concept of, of contact time. And it doesn't work the same way in a online or a hybrid environment than it does in, in the traditional in-person model. And so we've seen we've seen colleagues really, you know, having have having seen that and actually experienced that happening as they've been adapting their, their, their teaching and assessment this academic year. So that concept of contact time really needs to be redefined, I think. And, and, and thinking about those touch points or those engagement points that can happen in lots of different ways, whether that's whether that's synchronous or asynchronous, it, it changes our, our concept of teaching and learning, I think. The issue of contact time is the subject of the work of Professor Graham Gibbs, who back in 2011 wrote a report titled Implications of Dimensions of Quality in a Market Environment. Gibbs described how student outcomes are affected by the way that institutions choose to use their available resources. He examined class sizes, the level of student effort, the teacher who is delivering a course or module, and the quantity and quality of feedback. And he seemed to suggest that we stop thinking contact time and think time on task by the student. So it's not so much how much time students are in the traditional meaning of contact time, and this is certainly where it came from back in the day with when people like David Willits were, you know, the relevant minister for higher education, which they mean in a classroom being taught by a lecturer or a tutor. Moving from that to thinking about students engaging in ways which are important and relevant for, for the course or the programme that they're doing. So it's how much time are students actually spend spending doing stuff. But also equally, I think like you're saying in the digital realm, suddenly all the asynchronous stuff comes into that as well. It's no longer about, you know, whether you're in the black, you know, the, the, the collaborate ultra classroom, listening to you or me or Joe or whoever, but engaged doing stuff. The debate over assessment design isn't just a question of which assessment methods are the most accurate way of measuring students' learning. It's whether specific assessment methods widen or close the perception gap between students, teachers, and everyone else involved in pedagogy. So could better assessment design help create ways to measure meta-perceptions of the learning environment and help reorientate the conversation about academic misconduct in a healthier direction? So rather than thinking of it as something negative, I like to flip that and think about it as being something more positive and where you open up opportunities to have a dialogue with students about expectations and about what good academic practice looks like. It's the experience of getting there that is the important thing, not, not the thing in itself.